Going on, DJ Nation. Kenny Kim, you're bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generous podcast this week for the Bermuda Championship. Tambo, he could not make it today. He's the busiest man in the business. He's got like 14 shows to do today. So uh, take a little break, Tambo. Take a week off. But we do have a special guest this evening. Uh, most of you know it is Mr. Jeff Feinberg. Jeff, how are you, my friend? Glad to have you on. I am doing well. And yeah, you see Tambo. He's a busy man, and he keeps uh, popping up his own green screens. So he's got time for for a a low a low end tournament like this one. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, didn't he win? Like, I think he won like two hundred grand a couple of weeks ago, and then he got a king of the beach final seat. The man's a, the man's the best. That's why I love having me on the show. But we have the OG triple OG here, Jeff Feinberg. I think Jeff, this is like might be the. I think you were on once before. Um, I think with Brad, and I think it was like 2017. Like I, I barely remember, before, but I th- I do remember. I think you had her on the show one time before. Uh, so this is the second time uh, Jeff has been on. Uh, so glad to have you. And of course, if you guys should know, he does the show every week with Pat and Tim uh, for football, and does the uh, on on the Mayo Media Network, and he also does the show during the golf season. Uh, every week with Pat. It's a it's a staple show. It's basically the reason why I started what I'm doing. Uh right what I'm doing right now. So so kudos to Jeff. All right. So uh you know what let's talk about last week here a little bit. Well, you know, it wasn't the best tournament, but the way it ended was pretty fucking cool. Uh I would say that course that they played on last week, uh at the event shit. I don't even remember the name of the event. That's how shitty it was right now. What the fuck did they play last week? Uh, L something. It was like the yeah, L card now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. World WWT uh, Championship. So that course, I I mean, that was like the worst course I've ever seen on PJ Tour. Like it, it looked like a, like a a shitty live course before they started getting playing on better courses. Like it was horrible. Like like usually courses like that on the PJ Tour where it's that easy and there's really nothing going on in the course and it just becomes a putty contest. At least visually, it looks pretty stunning. You know, like Kapalua, something like that. You know what I'm saying? We're going to shoot 24, 25, 26, 30, 33 under, you know? Um, it, at least it's beautiful. At least, you know, when you're watching it on TV, it's pretty. This course looked like the beauty and like across the street in my house. Uh, like, what'd you think of the course? What'd you think of the event? Yeah, so full disclosure, I didn't really watch much of anything until yesterday afternoon, like probably the final six holes. I tried to watch Friday, the last like half hour, 45 minutes of coverage. I'm telling you, I was watching for about 20 minutes. They did not have a camera on Aberg one time. I turned it off out of like spite, out of spite. Like if anyone is low grade enough to be watching this, at dinner time on Friday, they're want they want to see a bird. So I was like tilted on that. Truth be told, Saturday attempt to be an okay dad, but yesterday it was such a bad four o'clock slate. Just that Cowboys Eagles game. So yeah, yeah, I had room room to watch it. I don't I I don't really feel like I can comment on the course, but I tuned in just in time to see EVR totally black out. Yeah, he went in God mode. Yeah, God mode. And you sometimes see that, like, on resort courses. You know, it's always possible. It's always, you know, it's always there, I guess. But to do it on the final group, like, down two on 16T to win by two, and the leader didn't make a bogey? Yeah. Like, do that math. Okay, okay. Whoa. Like, whoa. So... Full credit to EVR, and it seemed like, uh, Kenny, I don't know how you feel, but for 80 to 1, you know, like for 80 to 1, 70, 80, whatever it was, it was a pretty, like, chalky victory for the community. He was like, a, he's he was a chalky 80 to 1, and he hit, so congrats to everybody and, and those green screens that, that were out there as well. 
Yeah, I've used them in DFS. I didn't bet them like everybody else in the world did, which is, of course, a mistake. Uh, you know, but I did use them a lot in DFS. Uh, and so, you know, that helped out a little bit. I mean, I apologize for not being on the show uh, last week. It was probably my best week of the fall season so far. So you guys on Gump's Corner, uh, you probably got got it nice because all my Cascade Cornerstones made the cut. And then I, I think I went, um, I had like 28%, 26%, 6-6. Six uh, for the week, uh, and I think it was like eleven percent was the uh, was the average. It was well above average. Still didn't win shit, really. I mean, it was winning week, but I still didn't win shit. Uh, but yeah, I guess the big thing was, I mean, shooting twenty eight on the back nine of any event to win any type of professional tour event doesn't matter if it's on. In my opinion, the worst course that the PGA Tour has ever played on. Okay, it doesn't matter that it happened there. What he and it, and there are people that are, I mean, even pros. I mean, who was it? Kelly was it Kelly Craft who, yeah. who went out on on his Instagram talking about how shitty this fucking course was. I mean, he did finish. You did finish dead fucking last out of all the people that made the cut. Uh, you know, but still, I I agree with him. The course is horrible. But what EVR did in that back nine, shooting twenty eight. I mean, that's that's sickening. I mean, it was so good for him. And, of course, he was playing for more than himself, obviously. If you saw the uh, the interview afterwards where uh, one of his best friends trying to battle through cancer, he dedicated the win uh, to him. So pretty moving stuff. Uh, a pretty great ending on a tournament which I felt was the worst event of the year. Uh, now, that's because we haven't played this week yet. I, I mean, if you look at this, if you look at this this week, uh, this, this this field strength, not great, not great at the end of the year. But any other comments about last week before we move on? No, I I don't. I would just honestly be making making it up. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's basically what I do all the fucking time. So it's okay. So so let's talk, Jeff. I want to talk to you. Let's let's chat here a little bit. Uh, since I have you on, and uh, you know, uh, I guess the first, uh, let me say one thing about you uh, and what you do and your show and how you are on the show. I've only met Jeff once in person, I think, and that was at the DFS Open. We initially instantly bonded. We had a great time together, uh, you know. And, and the thing is, like, we only met that one time. We've probably only spoken two or three times on some some of Mayo's shows, um, you know, since that time, what, three three years ago, almost four years ago now. But I still feel like you're like my best bud. And I think that's why people love watching the show with you and Pat, because you give off that vibe where, like, this is like a buddy of mine. You know, you got that, like, buddy vibe, and, I, and it's such a great thing to have on these type of shows where, you know, I, 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 I'm I invested in the show. I watch it every week. Uh, you know, Pat's great, okay? Uh, you know, he, he's a great, great host. So what he's done for the community is, is uh, you know, something that he does not get enough credit for. But the reason why I watch the show is because, all right, I want to watch my buddy Jeff and see what he says. And I know I'm not the only one that thinks like that. I actually had the opportunity to meet you, but there are people that have never... It's spoken to you ever before. And I feel like they have to feel the same way. Uh, so I just wanted to give you that shout out, that cred, uh, because I, I think that's why people love you. And I think that's why your shows are so popular. Uh, so, 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 you know, that's what I got to say about that. Um, it's very flattering. Uh, I appreciate, I appreciate those kind words. It's just, I don't know. You try to keep it authentic, like not be, Phony. I think people who bet or do DFS, like they can smell a phony a mile away. Oh yeah, yeah. They real. They you know, it's it's not hard um, at all. And and I would say much likewise uh, to you, Kenny. Like I, you mentioned how we've met and how we've interacted, but um, in this like crazy world we live in, like I would. I joke with like my real friends and I refer to like internet friends and you would be a part of that. Yeah. I, I don't know. It used to feel way like weirder, but I guess like 2023, like internet friends are like our friends. Yeah. Right. Well, we're, we're going to get together next year. 
We're going to be at the President's Cup. It's going to happen. We're going to have a blast. But one thing I did forget, because Tambo's not on the show, is our ad read. So give me a minute. Let's talk about the ad. This show uh, brought to you and presented by ShipItNation.com. They've got you covered for all the major sports, for DFS content, tools, projections, education, and more. Go to ShipItNation.com and use promo code MAYO to get 10% off any of their any of their monthly memberships. All right, so we got that out of the way. We paid the bills there. Uh, a couple, I just wanted to ask you a couple questions here. Um, You know, since we have you on, like, I know that you are not, like, all about the stats, all about analytics. I know that's the way sort of the betting markets and the DFS markets have gone to. You know, you see all these guys, these content providers, Everything is analytics, data-driven, which is, you know, a lot of those guys are sharp, and they're doing very, very well. But that is not how you go about the betting process, right? I mean, how do you go about your betting process? Because you've been supremely successful for nearly a decade now, Uh, maybe even prior to that, before you were on any shows. Uh, So how do you go about your betting process? What do you look for in golfers week in and week out to get your betting card filled? Okay, uh, again, very kind. I would say the fun thing about golf betting is you could just have something that, like, works for you. And I don't really know how to explain it, but, like, there's so many avenues to golf betting. You can do the matchups. You could do the placings. You could um, play, like, smaller, like, pool player markets. Uh, There's just so many, like, first round or daily matchups. Like, there's just so many different ways. So I always encourage everyone to choose your own adventure and you could find your own little thing that works for you that has proven to you to be profitable and you have to care what other people think but like 90 percent of other people you're you're an outright guy right yes so i pretty much i pretty much um really just play outrights i will play the occasional prop top 20 bet i really do feel the data guys that i certainly do trust can give me something and I will in those sort of markets, like trust them, follow them, make those sorts of, of bets. But for me, I just like betting out, right? I've proven to myself, I'll do this. I'll hit my quota for the year. Everything will be, will be fine. You can go on long losing streaks. That's part of outright golf betting, but outright golf betting also, Kenny, how do I put this? Like it allows me to cheat. Like I'm sort of gaming the system by just doing outright golf betting. Oh, you got to explain that in detail. Well, I'm not gaming the sports book, but I'm just gaming the system. And I don't want to offend anyone, but just in the sense that like no real better takes the guy who out just bets outright golf seriously. Like I can lose. It doesn't matter. Like, when you're out there betting outright golf, it's not like you're betting football games or basketball games or like props in like a plus 150, minus 150 range market. You're picking outright golf bets. Like, yes, you can't lose all the time. If you go three months without a winner, people are going to be like, man, this guy. Like, I don't want to tail him. But like, no one actually can truly hold you accountable when you're <laughs> out there being like, I believe this 50 to 1 guy's going to win a golf tournament. Yeah. So in that sense, like I gained the system, like I've gotten into the ecosystem, but I really don't have any, like how much can you shit on the guy who's doing outright golf bets? Well, and if you think there's like 40 events a year around there that we bet on every year, like if you win like 15%, yeah, yeah, you got to hit your, you're you're fucking doing incredible. You know, yeah, so I also don't like playing each ways because I feel like water finds its level. For every time okay, I'm each like, way's I'm not that. I don't. I'm like, no. When I win, I want it. I want it all. But quickly to get back to my process, um, to bet at right golf, it's not like betting a top twenty. It's not like DFS, uh, which I still love to play and have to play my lineups. Unfortunately, like. I don't want to like out myself, but where I live, I have to do some circumventing to play my, the lineups that I still love to play each and every week, but it's not, outright betting is not DFS and it's not a rocket science comment to make, but how do I put this? I don't give a shit 
if you've got like a 1.8% edge on an outright golf like line, that makes any sense. Like a like that edge, a two percent edge in what your number should be to what the book's number is on an okay. golfer. Like I don't give a shit. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. why. Like the true data guys that I know, like the true hardcore golf, uh, not golfer, but like better pro betters, like they'll take a matchup board. The matchup board before the tournament, that's like a college basketball board. There's like 120 matchups. They can find two, three, four, one, six soft lines that they feel they can take advantage of um the outright thing is totally different as for me i feel like i've now like i'm not an idiot well i can be and and, and <laughs> like you kenny we put ourselves out there so we're bound yeah. to, to to do things but when you know meeting up with pat and like working with a lot of other smart people over the years now it's like the best of both worlds. Like now it's like my eyeballs where I'm watching all the golf I can outside of Thursdays. Cause I don't like to sweat Thursdays and we could talk about that differently, but, um, like my gut, my eyeballs, what we believe. And then I, you know, nowadays, like you'd be dumb to not ignore the, I mean, to ignore the stats. So yeah. like there was a time where I got to work beside Pat in like a newsroom pit with Pat where I could literally, you know, have my opinions on the golf board. And then as these models are starting to become a thing in golf, be like, well, am, is that my perception or is that reality? So now at least I have the ability to like cross check my perceptions and like, see if those are actual reality. Well, yeah, like, so, but how did it go originally? How do you get those perceptions? Is it be by watching a uh, shit ton or like, how, how do you garner that knowledge? Can win. You just got to yeah. believe a guy's a winner. Like, I don't want to, there is, uh, when there's 140 guys playing their own ball over four days, like, I don't want to dismiss anybody, but how lucky you need to be to, like, even just be the winner. Let alone, like, the, the amount of variables breaks. Like, you especially know, that feels like this week. Like, when you know, I know like bros, bet, and when I make a bet, Kenny, I am just like, in my mind, the guy is going to play really well. Actually expecting a guy to win is lunacy. Unless when you're talking about one of like four players on earth. Yeah. 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 No, I, I understand. Like, you know, four players in each field relative to each field. Like actually, you know, there's certain numbers. If you're betting a guy better win, you know, if, or if he's like not contending, like you feel really dumb. But you bet a guy at like 60 to one, he doesn't contend like, okay, well, that was, that's what's supposed to happen. Now, now, do you think it's going to get more difficult this coming up season with all the different types of events there's going to be? Like the no-cut events are going to be filled with just the top players in the world. And then you're going to have these full-field events with like three or four of those top guys. And then the rest, you know, the the the, the, the guys who were outside the top 50 uh, on, on the uh, FedEx Cup the pre previous year. I mean, you're going to see something like we see this week. Uh, in my opinion, it's more difficult to bet uh, on weeks like this where, you know, everyone's basically the same level because they're all pro golfers. You know, basically that's how it comes down to it. You know what I'm saying? Because if you look at this field and there's up top and we got Adam Scott. That's about it. You know, guys who we know have truly won something um, in the past. You know, and so so you're trying to you're trying to delve into this field and it makes it more difficult. Like, what do you find easier to betting on? Though, like the majors or events like this, it's got to be like the majors, right? Yeah. And so, do you think easily? Yeah, majors. Yeah. And so, do you easily. think next year? I mean, yes, yes. This year, like we got, you know, and they were very like Wyndham Clark was pretty popular. Brian Harmon was popular. Then we went to this weird place where where elevated events were won last year by Kitty Yama, by Keith, yeah. and maybe even by Glover. So yeah, I can acknowledge last year was weird, but if you like go multi-years like the big events it's like it's you can honestly take the brooks kepka approach to betting yeah the main that's what i was thinking there's like, like 10 guys who could really win this event yeah you know there's 25 guys maybe like take seriously there's just that handful and of course there's golf any four days one of these guys can be brian brian Harmon and, and do what happened there but yeah unquestioned i find it easier to just bet the bigger events in events like this, Kenny. I mean, you were betting EVR lot like events like this. It's totally fair when you see a guy who's 50, 60 to one 
He's got as much equity as all those clowns in the 20 to 1 range. And I'll oh, yeah. call them clowns. Anyone who follows me knows I love Thomas Detry. I love Taylor Pendrith. Uh, I've been a sucker for Alex Noren for way too long. But, like, what sort of win at, like, who should be afraid to bet them? You think uh, Troy Merritt's going to be nervous on the 17th tee versus Taylor Pendrith? No. It's not like it's Rory or something. So, these sorts of weeks, like, if I believe in a guy, it's almost like I have to bet him. Like, if I believe a guy is a PGA Tour winner, this is where you have to bet him. You have to, like, ignore lines. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. There is one guy. I bet Ryan Palmer had a horrific line if that's what you want to do. It's all relative. It's all relative to the field. Like you said, Adam Scott's the favorite. The big three this week are exponentially less scary as a better than with last week. It was like Aberg, Cam Young, and Sahith. And you can debate their worthiness, but I still like gave them equity that I don't give the guys at the top of this board. I promise. No. Nah, nah. Now, there is one guy that sort of fills that criteria you were talking about uh, that, you know, you think can be a winner and should be winning soon. He's one of your country national brethren uh, over there. We'll go over that in a little bit, just a little lead uh, right there. But we'll talk about that here uh, in a bit. Let's talk a little bit more. Uh, like, how did you, you get on the show with Pat? Like, you said you worked with him, right? Uh, you know, yeah. in, a, in, a, in some type of setting. How'd you guys we get on the actually, show? Sorry for interrupting. No, you're good, man. We never actually worked together. We worked at the same, like, we weren't on the same projects together. We were part of uh, the, a startup. I don't know if you remember. It was a fantasy sports. Like F-N-T-S-Y. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't even care to, re- yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess I should show them respect because they brought me and Pat together, but I don't even care to remember to pronounce it. Properly. <laughs> I don't know that exists now. Um, I mean, I don't remember half the people in my show was sponsored by. Yeah, but there are a lot so, of good. Yeah. There are a lot of good people there that came through there, and I met a lot of people in the space through it. So maybe I should be more respectful, but I don't know. Anyhow, so I met Pat there, and. Um, he was doing his thing like he was like past the beginning of his like trajectory but i could see like well that guy is like that guy's giving her yeah that guy gives her you know as he's saying like uh in hockey terms uh and we would talk golf we talk golf a lot but the first time i met pat was the week of the victor dubuisson jason day match play and I 2014. Told Pat, like in our first ever conversation about golf, I'm like, Jason Day's gonna win this match play this week. Yeah. Jason Day won the match play that week. And then I was just started doing like he brought me on his shows to talk like majors, and those were popular. And then next thing led to where one year it's just the start of the year, and we're doing a weekly show. But I to me, the genesis of that was people. There's so many shows for other sports where people talk passionately about betting it and just like their feelings about players, their opinions. And that really wasn't existing in golf yet. Was not. Um, so that was, you know, Pat had the wherewithal to see like the trajectory that fantasy golf and and all of that. But yeah, we just worked in the same newsroom and it was fun because well, refreshing, because in my inner circle especially at the time, like I could talk to any of my friends about like Rory or Tiger or, you know, Jim Furyk, but there's no one like in my group at that time I could like debate Russell Knox with. Yeah. Russell Henley was winning back then. Yeah, people yeah, like, like that. Yeah. Forgot, like, you know, um, there was no one we could, I couldn't like discuss Victor Dubuisson with. So that was nice to run into a like-minded person. Um, at the time and and yeah things i guess kind of kind of worked out and pat yeah. pat's incredible. a little he is great and um yeah i don't know whether like we're doing something right and part of it i guess is the consistency of the operation but uh it's a lot of fun yeah a little luck at the right time that's how a lot of shit gets started right i mean you're talking about how you you had the jason day you said he was gonna win that was the first time even Pat talked about golf. Pat's probably like, oh, shit, 
I should probably have him on the show. He's picking a, a match play winner. And so, you know, of course, that's a little bit of luck right there to have same thing happen to me. Uh, I had to do, I had to do a, um, like a uh, tryout for Rick Gaiman uh, back in the day. This was like 2015. Uh, Rick was running his site, uh, DFS On Demand. Uh, and so I had been doing a little bit of like cash stuff with like some other day, but that wasn't getting paid or nothing. Uh, and so you, you put out an ad looking for a golf rider. And so it was like the PGA championship that year. And it was like my best event of the year. Like I, I got everything right. Like I probably picked the winner. I got like all the DF, like, DFS play. I like, you know, that shit hadn't happened before. Right. I mean, like it was just, the timing was unbelievable. And of course, you know, Rick gave me the job. I worked for Rick for a while and that just spread out into the podcast and whatever, and where we're at now. So of course, a little bit of luck. Uh, definitely has a funny thing. Let me, I got to ask you about Tim. I, I love Tim, right? I, and I, I, I listen to the show a lot of the times. Like when you guys do your NFL show, I probably, I probably drown out your actual NFL conversations. It's like everything else that I listen to. That's great. You know, and Tim, Tim is, Tim is one of those guys. What is the craziest thing? The most insane thing that you have heard Tim Anderson ever say in what the seven six years that you eight years that you've been doing the show i have one on top of my head but i want to i'm gonna ask you you like i'd argue it's all just genre based because it really is crazy like you could have a food take you mine's a food take a claims um i still like to me the delusion of thinking he could tap like he watches football he loves football I assume he sees himself in the mirror to think he could tackle Derrick Henry to me is has to probably be the craziest thing. Um, he thinks he could survive like these outdoor shows. He can <laughs> he can, he can jump off, jump free jump from space. Yeah. that Those sorts of things. But like when Tim walks by a mirror, he must see like Brian Urlacher's circa 1999 looking back at him. Like that, that's the only thing that can make sense for his delusion is when he looks at himself, he sees like peak Brian Urlacher, ceiling Brian Urlacher, even with hair. Yeah. I mean, I know you're doing with his original hair, looking back at him, we'll call it 99, 90, I don't know, 2001 <laughs> range. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm gonna okay. The craziest for me, Derek Henry. Uh, what's I, going? Here's the thing. I'll be honest. Like I've been listening to the show this year. I feel I felt like you were on track to get more votes for the most insane person this year. Some of the stuff that you were saying, there was there's a few episodes there. I was like, wow, <laughs> wow. All right, the Demar Hamlin stuff. Uh, a couple of yeah, other yeah. things that I was talking about. Like Jeff might get some votes, more votes this year. Uh, but then I was on that Sunday Night Live show. With him. And he ate the fucking corn dog, like corn on the cob. And I was like, well, shit, that's, that's, that's going to win him. Uh, that's going to win him for the eighth year in a row. There's no coming back from that shit. You know what I'm saying? I know you're going to be on the show with him later on tonight. I know most of us, most of y'all will be listening later this week, but we are recording this Monday. He is going to, Jeff and Tim are going to do a watch party show on Mail Media Network with Pat. For the Jets Chargers game live, right? Live. Oh, so that is going to be must see TV. Hopefully, you guys catch it. If you haven't, I'm sure you can get the replay. Uh, so make sure you watch that uh, because I'm looking forward to watching that tonight. I might have that on the main TV and the game on the side TV. I think that's what's going to happen uh, tonight when I do that. All right, before we move on to this week, I have to ask you one more serious question because, you know, golf is in such flux. Right now, you know, the, the one thing about the PGA Tour and golf in general is it's been so static for decades, right? No changes. I mean, the biggest change there was uh, outside of the money after Tiger was some of the majors going from stroke play to uh, match play to stroke play like 70 years ago, you know? And then now we're seeing all these different changes happening to the tour. You got live. You got T. You got the tag TGL league. I mean, wh where do you see? Is this is this a good thing for golf? Are you going to be watching the TGL league? I know a lot of people were talking about that league 
saying they believe in that league because they're not taking themselves as seriously as Liv. That was the big argument, right? But then you see that Colin Morikawa video uh, from a week ago. You see Rory today talking about how the TGL will be compared to NBA games. Like, you're taking this thing pretty fucking seriously to hit it into a goddamn screen, right? Like, like, what do you think all this is? All is it? What's the good and the bad of all this is happening now? I know the bad is the fans, but in your opinion, like, where do you think? When you see golf, like, is is PGA Tour is Live going to be good? Is TGL going to work? Like, and, and do you hate it? Do you love it? What's the deal? Yeah, so there's um, a lot there. I I will say I've taken like criticism. Because I haven't like commented or made fun of the TGL like I did with Live with like simple things like the logos, but yeah, I don't garbage too. Knowledge because I don't like care about the TGL, and I cared about what Live is doing, and I don't care about these guys playing an arcade game, and I find them. I find them. I didn't see this Rory thing you're speaking of. I know the Morikawa thing, and it's all incredibly cringeworthy. And money sure it'll be fun and like have decent popcorn TV, but I don't, I don't take it seriously. Like live yeah. for a moment felt like it was really going to mess up a lot of golf, which it has. It was really going to, you know, potentially jeopardize the, uh, uh, like, I don't want to say jeopardize the majors, but we always want the absolute best players playing in the majors. So there was that fear tactic of like, holy shit. Um, these guys, some of them might not be in majors and I don't know what like the status is for a player like Neiman now who, you know, doesn't have the exemptions that other guys. Yeah. Will he never play a major? I mean, look at that. Will he never play a major? That sucks. Yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea. So that like bothers me that the TGO, like I never took seriously. I don't really care about it. Um, acknowledge they're making it it cringe worthy and it'll be background noise and i would just say you know to 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 add to or steal steal from and add to uh ben coley's tweet from a week ago or two weeks ago where he just acknowledged that like he feels bad for like kids like when we were kids this could be old man yelling at clouds but like we knew what proper sport was. Like, we knew what proper sport was when we were watching it. People weren't trying to make, like, fake sport real. And you could say, like, well, what was the XFL? But I just mean, like, from what's going on in, like, you know, now bo- the best boxing is, you know, celebrities, which I don't... I just mean, like, you know, like, kids are going to grow up. They don't even know what the good... They don't know what the real, true, good shit is anymore. It's yeah. all just a blur, and everything is like false important. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't see that Ben Coley uh, uh, tweet. We got ben a couple weeks ago. Yeah, just I don't know. Just talking about like rushing home from school to watch like a tennis match, and like you what? You just knew it was important. Yeah, like, you just Man. knew it. Um. And maybe, like, that could be such an old man yelling, like, anything that was on TV when, like, we were kids, Kenny, like, was important outside of, like, the local teams. Yeah. No, that, that makes complete sense. I mean, it's still, the it's fans still. the fans are the ones that are going to suffer, basically, because of Liv. Uh, now, for, for TGL, I mean, it's just another reason to keep the PGA Tour pros happy and make you more money. And I, got, I ain't got no problem with them trying to make more money. I have no problem with that. King. Like it's easy content. I'm sure, there'll be a lot of like viral clips. Um, but the thought of like watching a full thing of this thing, like I don't know. Like at least I have no. That doesn't do it for me. I would rather watch court. I don't even care for the match, but I'd rather watch, you know, seven handicap quarterbacks play golf than yeah. dudes hitting the golf screens. No, I hear that. All right. So, I think we went a little bit longer on our intro than normal, but that's going to happen. That happens all the time on the Mayo Media Networks, if you listen enough. Uh, but let's get to actually... The Butterfields. We have less to say about these yeah. guys. Yeah, exactly. That's why we filled the show at the beginning of what we did. But let's talk about uh, the Bermuda Championship. I'll go ahead and start 
with this course preview. Uh, the PGA Tour heads to Bermuda for the Bermuda Championship, uh, the Butterfield Bermuda Championship from Port Royal Golf Course. The strikes of the field, you know, the weakest we've seen uh, in quite some time. This is every year. This this field is legitimately the worst field in golf. Uh, you know, the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes to um, when it comes to like a weak ass field like this in GBPs when he played DFS, it's a good time to fade possible high on guys, especially in like the seven, six, maybe even the eight K range, because their value just shrinks and their edge is not as much as it would be compared to like a seven thousand to a six thousand thousand dollar guy in a regular good field or an eight thousand to a seven thousand. There's you know we talked about that a minute ago. There's differences. You can tell the tiers are pretty easy to see. Well, then it's it's not in this one. You know, like you said, the 20, 20 to one guy can have the same win equity as an eighty to one guy uh, in this event. And w- in this event, and when you're playing DFS, you know you got to play the numbers, you got to play the ownership stuff like that. I mean, this might be the time for you to be uh, the contrarian and uh, be a Cam Stewart and not not pick uh, the chalky of chalk. But if you're gonna, you know, if you like a guy, play him. Uh, that's all the ways I say. But just think a little bit harder. When it comes down to it, especially in an event like this. Uh, now, weather, always the biggest factor in this event. If, if there's no weather here, this is a breeze. It's one of the easiest courses on tour. But luckily, it's right on the coast. And you normally see 15 to 30 mile per hour winds. We've seen close to 40 mile per hour winds here. I mean, and you can see it reflected in the scores uh, of the previous four years it's played here. I think Brendan Todd won in the inaugural contest at minus 24. Uh, and then we had... Minus 15 a couple of years, a lot, of, lot more wind. Last year, there was a lot of wind, but the, there was so much rain uh, that, the, that the, um, the, the the greens were so soft. Uh, so even with the wind, it still made it pretty easy. And uh, Seamus Power won uh, at 1,900 par. Uh, so let's get to the actual gist of the course. Now, one thing I will say about the weather uh, this week, this is a good week to wait until the very end so to, to make your lineups, I do not have a betting card yet. I have not placed a bet yet. I have guys in my mind that I want to, to bet. But, you know, when you look at Wednesday, it, it, this is the type of event that can have a major wave advantage. Um, you know, I mean, just early looking right now, PM, AM, you know, but it's Monday at 5 o'clock. That shit will probably change. So you just wait until the very end, last moment you can make your lineups, make your lineups then what, as late as you can to make your bets. That would be my suggestion. Uh, look at the weather. See if the, you see if there's a wave stack available. Now, Port Royal Golf Course, six thousand eight hundred twenty yard par seventy one, three par fives, four par threes. Uh, the par fives are short, all measuring under five hundred fifty five. There's one that's barely five hundred yards. Uh, and these three holes will be the easiest holes on the course. Now, granted, there's a lot of elevation changes, so sometimes, uh, you know. It can play a little bit longer, and it can play a little bit shorter than what the scorecard presents. Uh, now, even the shortest of hitters have an opportunity to get the ball on the green and two on all these par fives. Uh, the par fours, mostly short also. Uh, six of them under 400 yards. Under 400 yards. And we might only see one play over 450 yards, and that's only if they use the back tee box. Uh, the par threes, on the other hand, quite long. All four stretching out over 200 yards. Uh, these will be four of the nine most difficult holes on the course. Uh, off the tee, golfers are going to see average-sized fairways with bunkers in the landing areas. Uh, there's plenty of elevation changes throughout the course, and especially off the tee. Uh, the rough surrounding the fairway, zoysia grass, shouldn't be too tall or thick. Water is also in play in about five holes. Uh, the course is so short that most golfers will hit less than driver on most holes other than the par fives. Uh, now, on approach shots, Golfers receive smallish to average size greens that don't have too much slope or undulation. Uh, from what I've heard in the last like two and a half months, they've just been getting bombarded with rain. Uh, so I and now it's supposed to be dry this week, but I expect the course to be lush. I expect it to be soft. Um, now these Bermuda grass greens, they should play real slow also as the course always sets up for windy conditions. I don't think the stim's going to be over 10 and a half. Um, you know, the tournament's going to be one on solid long iron play, wedge play, and putting. There's at least six shots a day from 200 yards plus. There's also going to be a shit ton of wedges. Uh, in the last few years, 
a couple of years, the leaders were all near the top in putts per green and regulation. Obviously, this type of event can turn into a putting contest. Uh, Jeff, are you looking for anything specific in golfers? Or how are you going to go about uh, making your card this week when you look at golfers? Guys, I believe in guys who um, can just wedge the shit out of it. And like most of my most of my picks bets, I'm always just dependent on the putt luck. Uh, I'd rather pay the premium for um, for the pre for the ball striking for the gray wedge play. Uh, just uh, consistent birdie luck nonstop. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be Brian Gay won here, right? Brian Gay won here. Hold on, I lost my sound. Go ahead. Brian Gay won here like two or three years ago. Yeah, Brian Gay won. You can I bet whoever like, you want. Nine. You could you could roster whoever you want. Basically, yeah. Uh, if Brian Gay's won, you can roster whoever you want. Yes, that does make sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if Brian Gay can win this event. Yeah, anyone can win this event. You're a hundred hundred percent correct uh, on that. Uh, That's why this is get, so much harder than a major or like exactly. a premium event, an elevated event. Like, yeah, my mind, uh, my mind isn't wired. Because I just really do like outright betting, Kenny, my mind isn't wired to think of the Brian Gay ecosystem week in, week out, you know? When those guys win, I just tip the cap to them, say, I never would have thought of you at any point, so I can't be mad. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get to these tiers. Um, let's start off in this 10K and up range. We got... Akshay, Brendan Todd, Detry, Adam Scott. Anyone here that catches your eye? I wouldn't pay for a single one of them. But maybe you that's what other people are thinking, and they could be relatively low-owned. Like having to swallow Scott or Detry at that price, um, maybe they'll be incredibly, incredibly low-owned. I'm hoping that Scott is low on because he's the one guy I think I will play uh, just because, you know, his iron game, he's been known best ball striker, best swing for God knows how long. Everyone tries to imitate uh, Adam Scott's swing. He's been having the best iron play. He drives it well. But the thing that's coming up, I mean, if you look at his numbers, the dude's been putting the best he's ever putted in like his career the last six months. And I think a lot of it has to do with the broom, the broomstick uh, he's using now. Um, he's the guy that I would look at the most out of these four. Uh, just because I'm hoping he's going to be a little bit lower owned. Usually the, the highest owned guy gets a lot of ownership, but Adam Scott, not really known as the highest price guy in any field ever. So are people going to pay up for him? I don't know. I'm not the ownership guru. So, you know, we'll, we'll see on Wednesday. But if I had to pick one from this group, I would pick him just because of his putting prowess. Uh, how well he's been putting and we know how good he is with his irons. Uh, so that's the one guy I would give an edge to here. Anybody, anything else you want to say before we move on? No, I love Scott. I like to see that he's playing um, this event. I know we've seen a lot of, this is a pretty low run event, but it's been a while since he's won a tournament. We saw a lot of his friends or peers win, win in 2023, be it Rose and, and Day. Uh, so I'd love to see him get that, get it off his back. I just like not to jump ahead. I feel like people will just rather like Lucas Glover at ninety five hundred versus Scott at ten seven. I mean, the same guy, same putter, right? <laughs> you know, and and I would argue that Lucas Glover's approach has and what that could be the key. Like Scott's putting has been great, but his approach has gone the other way. As his putting yeah. has gone this way. I'd almost rather trust the Lucas Br L Glover unconscious, consistent approach and hope for putt luck. Um, but yeah, that'll be real. I'm really interested to see how ownership plays out this week. Yeah. So let's move on to the 9K range. Uh, you talked about Lucas. I'll go over my Cascade Cornerstones. A couple of them are in this range. And for cash this week, a lot. You know what I've noticed? If you, it's a very, very small sample, uh, it's only been played here four times. But if you look, you see a lot of golfers like multiple top 10s, multiple top 15s. You know, guys that you that normally don't make a lot of top 25s, 
having multiple top 25s. Uh, so I think you can take a little bit more course history into account. And I always do for cash games, cash, uh, get cash games anyways. But I'm going to take a little bit more into account. So my first cash game cornerstone this week is in a 9K range. It's going to be Ben Griffin at $9,300. Another thing I do like about him is when I when I go into my model and stuff like that and I put it in, uh, you know, he comes in like 25th in my model, which, you know, for like the 8th rank offer, it's not horrible. But then when you shift uh, shift over to uh, courses, short courses, courses less than 7,200, 7,000 yards, um, you know, he jumps up tremendously. He plays these shorter courses uh, pretty freaking well. Uh, and so I like him. He's been playing pretty decent um, here recently, and he has a couple of top 10s here in the last couple of years. So I'm going to go ahead and start my cash lineup with Ben Griffin. Uh, my second cash lineup, probably my favorite play, guy I'm probably going to bet unless the Waze stag won't let me. It's going to be Taylor Pendrith. He's one of those guys that I think is is due and is coming through. He's going to have a win as soon. And it's going to happen, I think, in an event like this. I mean, you know, I don't know if he's in the top 50 next year. Um, but I don't know if he's playing the elevated events. I, I haven't really looked into that yet. Uh, but, you know, if he does, I mean, that's going to be a tough, you know, pull to ask him to win one of those for his first victory. I think he gets it here. He gets the confidence and he goes in the next year uh, as a player to watch. Uh, because the talent is all there. Uh, now, the funny thing is, oh, Kenny, it's a $6,800 course. It's less than driver. His big weapon is the driver. Well, if you look at the, his play in short courses, 7,200 yards or less, his numbers are actually improved over his baseline numbers. Like, right now, I have him uh, fifth in my model. And then, uh, you know, regular uh, model. And when you go to uh, short courses, he's fourth. So... I'm going to go ahead and stick with Taylor Prendith. Uh, you know, he was one of my casket cornerstones last year, last week. Really had a good Sunday. Uh, something that me and Tambo really, really like. Uh, who do you like in this range, Jeff? So Are you I, an Ori uh, guy? I love Taylor Pendrith. Um, I'm a bit of a fanboy with of his because he let me walk inside the ropes with him during a practice round. I do remember that. In open. Yeah. So we yucked it up. So I'd love to do that. And I mean... Well, if you looked at his like logs, it would seem like he's boomer bust because what in his last eight starts, it's four missed cuts and four top 15s, including like a third and a sixth. But uh, I believe he's a form golfer, he can ride that form. Uh, and you mentioned Canadian Siwoo, right? Well, yeah, the old, <laughs> si the old uh, Siwoo, yeah, but he also showed last year that this time of year. Uh, he can play some great golf and contended a lot. For me, I'm going to the very bottom of the tier. I am going to trust Doug Gim, Kenny. I love Doug Gim this week. 9K. Uh, I will be heavily invested in that. I have bet him. It was the first bet I made this week. I have one other bet that's very close in behind on the DraftKings board um, thus far, but yeah, I mean, Kim has just been unconscious. Like the tee to green, the, the the strokes gain total. It's really everything but putting and short game. And if you need your short game here, I mean, you're already that screwed. Depends on the wind. If it, if the wind picks up, you're going to need it because these greens aren't huge. All very all very fair points, but it is it is Doug Gim who who across the board. Uh, I really, I really do trust and I can, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to get cocky and feel it, but, uh, I'm sensing a big breakthrough week for Doug Gim. So I'll go to all the way to the bottom of the, of the tier here. And I think I can get the production that you'll pay for all the way up to 9,800. All right, let's go to this AK. I'm going to go ahead with my third cash game cornerstone. It's Alex Smalley at $8,900. And oh uh, yeah, this guy. I'll uh, be so popular though, right? He's gonna be the most owned player, I think. I, I think he is. And I, in cash, I don't really take ownership into account because sometimes in cash it can hurt for you to not have like a chalk guy that blows up that does really well. Like if Smalley's like seventy percent owned in GPPs and he has and he goes off, you know, and you don't have him, you're fucked, right? But if if, if seven if you own him with the other seventy percent then you're not as screwed because 70% have them and they're already screwed. And so if you do well on your other five, 
you might be able to beat some of the guys that are the 30% of the guys that have not, that don't have them in your in their roster. Uh, so that's what I think about it in Taz. And Chief of Peace, of course, the complete opposite. The complete opposite. Um, so I'm going to use him in cash just because, you know, his iron game strong. Another guy who I think is on the verge of a win. You've seen flashes of, of, of him being on top of the leaderboard here the last few months. And again, another guy who, when you shift all the stats to less than driver courses, his baseline actually improves. So he's going to be my third cash game cornerstone. Um, other guys in this 8K range that I think I will play, I'm going to go with a little bit of Dylan Wu. Uh, at eighty two hundred dollars now, it's sort of you know I sort of choke a little bit having to pay that much for him. But the guy makes a ton of birdies, strong iron game, strong putter. I you know that's what I'm looking for this week. He's also wedging wedges top twenty in this field, uh, about average with his longer irons. Uh, I like Dylan Wu down here at eighty two hundred. Uh, who do you like in this range, Jeff? So I don't know. I guess we'll just ride the Wu train. I'll save a hundred bucks and I'll go with Brandon Wu, who was everyone's other chalk darling last week, alongside EVR. Um, again, I would I would be I would trust his his consistency, and he seems to enjoy oh some of these resort course situations. So Brandon Wu would be the player again. I'm going to the very bottom. Of the tier, I actually look forward to building. I actually look forward to building. Yeah, it should be fun this week because I mean, uh, you know, play who you want. They, you know, anyone can win this event. That's for a fact. Let's go to the seventh range, Jeff. Why don't you go ahead and start? Who do you like in this range? Uh, so I guess I've been, you know, uh, picking on. Well, not picking on, but I've been leaning to the lower ends of the tiers, and and I'm certainly not going to do that in the seven k range. This does feel like an ideal spot for a guy like the Troy Merritt skill set. So yeah, the the Troy Merritt skill set, I feel like can have a lot of success here. Like a lot of other guys who I seem to be backing this week, he's been, he's pretty dreadful with the putter, but I do believe this could be a nice situation. Um, This could be a nice situation for him, he did have those two top tens. To was that at the beginning? Yeah, at the very beginning of the swing season, and he's kind of cooled off while making cuts. Um, but I could see this one working working for him, much like yeah. I mean, I think if the wind picks up, it could help him. Yeah, it's either if the wind picks up and it gets really difficult, or there's no wind at all and it's like super easy. I think those, even though they're two opposite ends, because his short game was pretty good, and so I I, I like that. I like that pick uh, in the upper. 7k range anyone else up here in the upper 7k that catches your eye um i mean i feel like just blindly adam long is going to be like over owned because like of the viral like within our six fairways small world yeah um, his little virus his very impressive viral accomplishment Last week, what, like not missing a fairway or something? 56 to 56, the first time since 1992 at the Memorial. A guy has hit every single fairway in competition. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, I could get really cocky and like uh, be on, uh, get on the Peter Quest, but I don't know that it's a good course fit uh, compared to some of the other places that seem to be working for him. The other guys that have my eye are more uh, to the lower end here, Kenny, if you have anyone near the top. Yeah, I mean, I like Lanto, my fellow Blacksburg, Virginia resident, who has, you know, had some nice, strong appearances so far in the fall. Again, a, a, a decent tournament last week, but another guy who, you know, he actually drives the ball pretty well, pretty far. But if you look at his baseline stats compared to what he is when he plays short courses under 7,200 yards. It's a huge adjustment up in in, in productivity um, on shorter courses. I don't know why, but he tends to really, really ball out on the shorter courses. So I like Lanto. And in my final Cascade Cornerstone, if I remember correctly, it's going to be uh, just to lower uh, at $7,600. Uh, you know, again, another guy who has played this course uh, very, very well uh, in the past. Uh, his numbers are strong. Iron game, very, very good. 
above average with wedges and long irons. Uh, uh, you know, avoids bogeys. Uh, you know, makes a good amount of cuts. Uh, so I do like him. So my four cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Ben Griffin at 9,300. Taylor Pendrith at 9,100. Alex Slawley at 8,900. And Justin Lower at 7,600. Now, I will say this. Uh, you know, I rarely ever change my cash game cornerstones. But if there is, I don't know. We don't know the tee times. We don't know when they're going off. We don't know when the weather is. So there might be adjustments if, if I feel like these guys are in the wrong weather wave. And the only way to get that would be to join Gup's Corner when I do my final article on Wednesday if there's any changes. Now, it's rare. I think 98% of the time. Uh, I think I've only changed my cash game cornerstones three times in five years, right? There's six years that I've been doing this. Uh, so it's very, very rare, but these are the type of events where it's possible, uh, where there's ways, stacks, and weather can play a huge factor. Uh, let's go down below into this lower $7,000 range. Uh, who do you like? So there's a couple guys that I like um, that I ironically stacked on top of each other. Um, Ang Kazire is a guy I don't mind here this week. He's never played here before. And I know you mentioned, um, you know, some guys have, have been able to show. Uh, I don't think, I don't think not playing here is a disadvantage though. But I think, yeah, yeah, and I think here. it'll yeah. set up. I think it sets up lovely for, for what Patton can do. And, Oh, 46, 6, uh, 15th last week. So I think he's trending in, in the right uh, direction. And another guy, I don't know if he'll be sneaky, but he does fit into the um, the track record narrative that we do see here. And it would be Malnati at 7,400. Uh, I don't think he's ever finished worse than 21st here. And, um, well, most of the guys I do like to to pick are uh, the best putters, and I sort of want to trust the other parts of the game. He would be that little pesky high-end putter um, that I could see the rest of his game coming to life a little bit uh, here for him. So $7,400 on, uh, on Melnati. I like, uh, he had that 11th place at the Fortnite where he looked quite outstanding across the board. I'm hoping we can lean into that because it hasn't been. I can, get, I, I can get behind Malnati and get behind going back to Camillo, uh, you know, at that price coming in with a really, really good uh, event last week, trying to ride that mo momentum uh, into this week. I could see that, but probably my favorite play down here is Smotherman uh, at $7,100 just because of how good he is with his wedges and from 200 plus. Uh, you know, you're going to hit a lot of wedges, you're going to hit a lot, a lot of long irons. From 200 plus, I think he's top 25 in this field uh, in both those categories. Uh, so uh, he's a guy that I'm looking at down here in this lower uh, $7,000 range. Now, the 6K range is sort of barren. I mean, there's definitely some guys that I will be looking at. I mean, like the first one that sort of pops in from my model is going to be Ryan Gerard at 6,800, 6,700. And the main reason he does that is because when you look at his baseline, uh, you know, and then compare it to short courses, and it's a, and it's very very small, very very small sample size. But that's what you're going to deal with with a lot of these 6K guys. He tends to play a lot better uh, on these on these shorter courses. So that's someone I can get behind. Someone I think it was Bamford who called this course a treeless harbor town, right? Huh. So you think a harbor town, Kadira, over here at like $6,700 could be someone that you'd be looking at. Uh, Bryce Garnett. Is a guy who short coastal courses, him and Ryan Armour tend to, you know, always play well on these shorter um, coastal type courses. Those are like their shit. And so they're, they're, those are a couple of guys uh, that I can get on. Brian Gay, of course. Now, Brian Gay is playing the senior tour now. Uh, he's well over 50, but he did win this four years ago. And he's been doing pretty fucking good uh, on that senior tour. A bunch of top fives, bunch of top 15s. I don't know if I can quite pull the trigger on it uh but you know it's something i'm thinking about when we get down here who do, who do any you see anybody down here that, that piques an interest yeah i could uh sixty six hundred dollars <sighs> i could get in on martin trainer off his 15th place last week kenny but the problem with martin is like when you scan the resume like 
he misses the cut off his like best weeks. And 15th place for Martin Trainer, that'd be his best finish in a long time. Yeah. Uh, he finished runner up at some event like a couple of years ago in the fall. He should have won. Am I thinking of somebody else? Yeah, I don't see anything that would um, call for a runner-up since 2021. Best finish was 7th in Corrales in 22. Maybe maybe, maybe I'm mistaken of somebody else. Yeah, there's a lot of missed cuts, but I don't think you can open anyone in the 6K range who doesn't, uh, you know, bring the MC into play bigly. Yeah, I mean, Duffner? Another guy, he's been playing. You've seen him. You've seen like flashes of like old Duffner in like the last three months. So, like one round here, one round there, one round there. You've seen like really good play from him. Just hasn't been brought together like in one event. You know, at that price, you take that risk. What is he like 6,600, 6,700? You just take that risk. He's another guy that I could look at down in this range. Anybody else that piques your interest? You mentioned Kadira. Um, no, I'm going to just load up Lingmurth, see if he's worth yeah, it. I was thinking about him, too. I was thinking, again, in the last year, you've seen sort of glimpses from Lingmurth. Yeah, I don't you know, know. Just hopefully you can see it again. No, I'd rather trust other guys. Um, trainer, I did mention. Jeez, it is pretty. It is. Pretty, it's 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 the doldrums. It is down dumb, here. It's no like this field dumpster diving. Like yeah, I, I don't know. I don't trust Kyle Westmoreland, but I want to. But I don't know that I'm going to roster him. I will probably like having talked this through with you, Kenny. And I don't know whether this is going to be like maybe the more likely way people do it. But I feel like. I will save so much on the top that I'm not going to be here. Yeah. With like, I think, 90, I think, I think a lot of people are going to be like you know, that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when the guy Cambo would definitely, if Cambo was here, he would definitely say, I might not even play anyone in the seven K range. Uh, yeah, like, that would definitely, honestly, like Tyler Pendrith at or 6K, sorry. Yeah. Taylor Pendrith at 91 might be the most expensive player. I roster. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't even be down here having to finish my my lineup, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to worry about, you know, I mean, as long as you don't go super chalky. The Stars uh, and Scrubs this week would be a funny look, though, and probably would be so contrarian that maybe we yeah. should, I'll try a couple. <laughs> yeah, just, just call like three guys in a 9K range and then see how it goes. But if you look at my cash game cornerstones, I mean, they were 93, 91, and 89. And then uh, 76, and you still have, like, 15,000 left. Yeah, exactly. So you can, yeah, you, can, you, can, you can do three 9K guys and still not delve into the 6K range. Yeah. All right. Hey, I haven't made any bets. I'm, I'm looking at Taylor Pendrith uh, pretty hard right now. But, again, like I said, I'm going to wait until Wednesday night. But, like, if I had people on my card right now it would probably be Pedrith, Smalley, um Wu, Lanto. Uh, those would be the guys that I would be looking at right now. Now you have made a couple of bets so far, but uh uh Jeff, can you can you want to tell them on all right now? Yeah, so I did bet Doug Gim at 40. I did bet Alex Smalley at 28. Um I was looking at Pendrith really hard. What is he like? Twenty? I haven't even looked. He was yeah, like twenty five. You could probably see. Five's not horrible. Yeah, Gim and Smalley are where I have made um, where I've made my bets. We will we will see. I'll probably keep the card pretty light though, to be honest. Yeah, I know, right? All right, Jeff, that was a blast. I'm so glad that you came out. You want to push something? I know you're doing something. Uh, you got the Monday Night Show. I know you're doing a show with Andy, right? Andy's one of our. Uh, fill-in host for the Fantasy Golf Degenerates. Uh, you want to push that? Yeah, so I guess you keep an eye for it this week, but me and Andy do a quick, um, like, we talk about our outright bets for oddschecker.com, so that'll be out. My weekly spread picks show with Pat and Tim will be out, and obviously it's before we're recording, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I've, I'm giving my blood oath to the audience 
for that Monday night Chargers Jets game. I'm very, very looking forward to that. I was never planning on. I don't know. Like Kenny, well, I mean, from, 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 I, I was want to. I'll give you. One I was minute. listening to the Sunday show, and they were talking about the last time they watched a, a game with you, and you left and didn't pay the tap. That's the shit that I would do. This is such. <laughs> oh my god. Can I say something about that? Oh, I literally like had one beer from someone's pitcher. And I said to this, I said to someone that night, like, listen, it's very possible. Something angers me so much here. I just get up and leave. Um, I'm not like, so just like I kind of laid that out there. Yeah, I, I don't know, Kenny. Like, I, I doubt mean, here, people will be listening to this after the fact, but. Yeah, the Chargers. So I doubt like it's going to be an enjoyable three hours, and I could get so drunk and angry that I puke. So the range of outcomes. I've been there. What people can get out of me tonight, like, <laughs> or I literally just sit there like weed sad for three hours and say no. fucking nothing. I have no idea how my body is going to react to a light in my face while I do the pretty much the only thing I care about. Which is so I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you, and so when I was younger, uh, I would say up until my mid thirties, uh, maybe my early thirties, I was basically you when it comes to commanders, like live and die, like weak ruined or weak good based on being. You've heard the story how I threw the engagement ring at my girlfriend's face, oh, you know, man. during a Cowboys Redskins oh. game. Yeah, I mean, that's I never... fucking how. That's how fucking crazy. Yeah. I was back then. We were very, very similar uh, when it comes down to it. But Daniel Snyder sort of kept stabbing me over and over again with just, uh, it just made me lose that. I mean, I still watch every week and I still bitch and I can play, but my fandom was not anywhere as wild uh, as it was, you know, seven, eight years ago and my previous whole entire life before. And uh, now we'll see new, new, new ownership. You know, we got the draft picks next year. I don't know. Uh, you know, I Sam like Howell. Pro, I'm pro commandos. But yeah, Sam Howell, the, the best quarterback in the league the last five games, 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns, 95 rating. It's not bad. Not bad. He, he could throw those dimes. He had a couple of throws yesterday, which were like, how did he make that? Oh, yeah, they're crazy. Oh, crazy. Yeah. I'm on the track. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. So I'm going to look forward to it. I had a blast. I got to run, boss, but um, right. anytime. Hit me up anytime. All the best to Tambo. Love the operation. Uh, always enjoy seeing him killing it, and you still kicking it, Kenny. All right. Let's go ahead and end this. It was a fun pod. Great having Jeff on. Let's win some motherfucking money. Legion Nation. I've been getting dirty money, Jordan Belfer. Second penny stocks while I'm flipping these birds. Sipping on Ciroc, trip them up. Words. I done popped the molly